Welcome to the Exponential Podcast. My name is Peyton Jones, and as Exponential's content director, I'll be your guide through the curation of the world's largest multiplication library of resources and training. We currently have four shows running Monday through Thursday, each with a different thrust towards accelerating multiplication. On Monday, join us for front lines tackling current issues facing pastors and planners. On Tuesday, tune in for Biblically Speaking, Theological Foundations for Transformative Race Conversations. On Wednesdays, Ralph Moorhead's Practical Multiplication, A Pastor's Guide to Accelerating Multiplication. And lastly, Candid Conversations is on Thursday, Unpacking Definitions of Diversity. Be sure to catch them all as they will serve as equipping companions on your discipleship journey towards multiplication. Today, join me and Daniel Yang on Frontlines. The Frontline program seeks to encourage and equip pastors and planners to better understand and navigate the current and future trends in church ministry. Each episode invites thought leaders and advanced practitioners in ministry to inform and inspire pastors and planners as they continue what they do on the field. Hey, welcome everybody to the Pastor's Guide to Accelerated Church Multiplication. We got a really, really good one for you today. Uh, I'm joined with my friend Myron Pierce, and um, we're really happy to have Myron. Huge emergency in the church, and he just barely made it, and a little bit out of breath. But Myron, greet everybody, and then we'll we'll. Why, why don't you introduce Sareka? In fact, you met him last yeah. week in England. Yeah. Hello, everybody. It's good to have you guys. Um, excited to be on with uh, Ralph and my new good friend, Sareka. Well, maybe not so new now, actually. Um, long story short, I, I met Ralph a few years ago and uh, started stalking him and following him everywhere, Japan and uh, ultimately to London. And when I found um, Ralph in London, then I ended up meeting my good friend, Sareka. And Sareka is, is an amazing leader. His wife, they lead a great church. But Sareka, welcome, brother. How are you doing? Doing well, uh, Myron. So lovely to see you. <laughs> yeah, man. Tell your beautiful bride I say hello. I will, I will definitely do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, Sareka, tell us a little bit about uh, just who you are um, and, and what God's doing. Okay, uh, so my name is Sureka Hulugala, and uh, I come uh, originally from Sri Lanka, and uh, I'm now based in the UK. It's been 23 years since we've been in the UK, and uh, my wife and I were actually sent from Sri Lanka to come to the UK to plant churches, and uh, we uh, actually uh, came through my job at that time. And the Lord opened a door in that sphere. And uh, so, you know, we've, we've been involved in plants. What was that job? Sreka, take, take a moment and tell us about the job and tell us about how the church in Sri Lanka prepared you to take advantage of a, of a, of a really great job transfer and become a missionary uh, bivocationally. Um, I, I was a, a business analyst with a global pharmaceutical and household company. And uh, so the job was literally to be in charge of an entire department across Europe and uh, from tiny Sri Lanka. Um, it was a miracle in itself of how uh, the Lord opened that door. But the church I come from in Sri Lanka, uh, the real heart uh, of that church was to send out missionaries globally. But 
uh, not in kind of the traditional way of uh, missionaries being you know funded through the church and uh, kind of going that route but it was more of uh, marketplace missionaries you know people who would uh, have jobs who would get transfers and uh, that the church would then you know come alongside them and help them in uh, planting churches so my wife and I were a couple that the church prayed for and uh, we were trained uh, in, in church planting and then when the opportunity came um, it it uh, seems so natural to kind of step into it and uh, and to uh, move uh, to the UK. So then you you started basically in your house, right? Yeah. Tell tell us a little bit how it developed. Yeah. So uh, we uh, when we came, we we started in our house, and uh, you know we had a we had a few people uh, who who came, and from that. Um, we actually then had a larger gathering which kind of you know uh, informed everyone and you know people just kind of got the message across and we had actually a meeting and where 17 people gave their lives to the lord and um and i you know got up at the end of the service and said fine next sunday church starts here and those 17 turned up <laughs> So it was not the traditional, you know, have a Bible study and, you know, kind of thing. And then uh, we saw within the first two years, uh, just supernatural miracles happen. And uh, we saw a real favor and a growth in what the Lord was doing. And then in uh, while that was happening, uh, I, I also took over another church uh, in another part of London. Um, which is a which is a, a church that belonged to our denomination, but the pastors decided to leave for the uh, U.S. and um, and so we kind of took over that. So we were kind of running uh, two churches, plus doing a demanding job as well uh, for a season. And then it grew large enough that it kind of forced you to abandon the secular job. Yes, that's right. So you know, over a period of um, I think four years, uh, it, it grew to uh, that level that I had to make a choice uh, whether I was going to be pastoring or whether I was going to go on my kind of professional line. And I felt the Lord saying, it's time to move out now. And so... So, so what, when, it, when you say it grew, it wasn't that a single congregation grew large. It was that <clears throat> a movement, because it is a movement, right? It's Tell a movement. a little yeah. bit about <clears throat> So, you know, so we started seeing, you know, other churches being planted. And um, so we, we then decided to uh, come into full time. And then I, I also then took on the role of uh, leading the movement here in the UK. And uh, from kind of like, you know, about 12 or 13 churches um, and with your involvement as well, Ralph, um, we've, you know, we grew to 50 plus churches uh, today. So. Uh, over a period of, um, I guess, six, seven years. So 50 plus churches, six or seven years. I've talked to Sereka and asked him, any new churches this year? Yeah, we only got four, you know, complaining about four new churches. Um, I, I, I want, there's something I, you may not know this, but uh, 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 Americans tend to be, a little bit chauvinistic and a little bit, there's this little problem that we have in America that you may not have heard of called racism. Mm -hmm. 
And it takes a lot of different forms. And, and one of those forms is cultural superiority. Mm-hmm. And so when we hear somebody from another country and they have an accent that's a little bit different than ours and their skin color is a little bit different than ours, it's really easy for us to say, well, that works for them. That wouldn't work for us. And then I don't have to listen to anything that you have to say because that works for you. You're different than me. You know, uh, it's really a horrible handicap. And sadly, the people who have this handicap enjoy it. They think that they're smart somehow. But one of the things that impressed me when I got to with you, and listeners don't know this, but we've worked together for six years. I've been there every year. This year, I didn't get to go there, but I was there by Zoom a month ago, and, and, and it's great seeing what's going on. But t- uh, I, I, I want you to um, tell us about the diversity of people in the U.K., but also now you're reaching into Italy and you're reaching into France and you're not just reaching Sri Lankans or South Asians. Uh, I know that you're reaching some immigrants from North Africa, but I see a lot of white people in this thing. And, yep. uh, and, 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 you know, just help us Americans get over us, us white Americans get over ourselves and our silly attitudes. Okay. Um, so where do you say? Yeah, so the one of the first churches that I pastored in the UK, and I think, you know, that's how the Lord kind of planned it, was a total white ethnic British church. And so Christian, my wife and I were the only colored people in that church. And that was actually a really good training for us in how we cross over um, ethnicities, how we cross over the boundaries that we build up. Uh, so that we are able to minister and reach out to any nationality, any any group of people. And, uh, you know, we had to learn through the hard way. Uh, you know, we had to learn different cultures as well. Um, <clears throat> and then from there, it was like the Lord really melted our hearts to say, I brought you to the UK and you're not just reaching out to your own people. You're not only reaching out to Jerusalem but you're reaching out to, you know, Judea, Samaria, to every culture. And, um, and, and, and that's been, a, for me, I, I love that because I love cultures, I love people, and it doesn't matter what skin color or what background they come from. And so that the Lord has really opened us, opened up opportunities for us that we are able to reach even cultures that may not even speak English. But yet we are able to reach out because there's the language of the love of Jesus. And uh, so even, even the, um, the, culture, the, the, uh, the groupings that we have even right now within our networks, uh, we have African, you know, we have uh, Chinese, we have uh, British, um, you know, we have Asian. And... And other thing was that every nationality, every ethnicity is valued. And, and that, that was one of our core values that, you know, they are created in the image and likeness of God. And therefore, you know, they are valued, they are valuable. And, and therefore, you know, I need them. That is another thing where, you know, we, we really spoke about humility and we said, look, I need someone of a different culture. I'm not superior, but I, I, I humble myself to say, I need you. I need you to be who I am. 
and uh, so so therefore um, you know we, we we our our values are, are are those so that even I'm able to reach out to the Italians the the, the French uh, the Russians um, you know that whatever nationality and, and and to me actually that's more exciting working with a multinational or multicultural environment that's good I want Myron to, to weigh in a little bit. I'd, I'd like to hear um, Myron's first trip to the UK was to be with you guys. Yeah. And uh, he hit the ball out of the park. I, he shared his testimony. And, and before he was done talking, you guys had organized a meeting for later in the week with a whole bunch of people. And that was exciting. But My, Myron uh, has had some things come out of this. Uh, one is he met somebody when we were together. Uh, in, in England, and uh, he's now leading a church in, in uh, Brixton, South London, and, and that kind of links to what you're doing, came from it. But Myron, you just talk to us a little bit about what you, what you thought, what you observed, what you felt, the questions you might have coming out of the time that we spent together. Yeah, besides the fact that uh, my, my flight came in later than usual because of my uh, misorganization and lack of understanding <laughs> about national flights. And then not to mention Ralph, how, um, yes, I did, uh, share in session one and, uh, I didn't know I was sharing in session one until I walked in session one. So if you're with Ralph, he's the ultimate hero maker. The other thing that I, I found out when I was in London is that it's easy to get lost and so I, 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 found, <laughs> I found myself um, lost in London um, and ended up on the south side, I believe, of London. And it was beautiful because I, I felt at home. And so that's one of the impressions that I, I had. London is like a, a big city um, with, with it's not a melting pot. It is an eclectic city that has various cultures um, that um, – that just makes for heaven. I t came back and told my wife when I got back, I said, if there's anywhere that I'm going to move, it's going to be London. And, uh, and so when I met Sereka and his family and they graciously allowed me to speak at their church, I was just blown away at the story. Sereka, you shared a story with us with, uh, about, um, the group of people that, um, that had tension between one another. You remember that story you was telling me? Yeah. Um, and, it, and it helps me understand why there's such a value aside from it being the biblical value of how God is using you. Can you tell, can you tell the story about the two different um, groups and then how God is using you and your wife and, and kids to help reconcile that group of people? Yeah. So uh, where, I, where I come from, um, you know, Sri Lanka, we went through a, a civil war uh, for 30 years. And uh, we saw hundreds of thousands of people, you know, being killed. And uh, so I belong to one ethnicity and there's the other ethnicity. And, um, you know, uh, when we came, that was one of the specific things that the Lord said that we were not going to divide, but we were going to unite. And so, you know, when we started the church, we also prayed that the Lord would bring people of those different ethnicities together that through Christ that there will be reconciliation. And it turned out that a guy who had actually fought in the war, 
um, for the opposite side. And uh, to cut a long story short, someone who finally enlisted to becoming a suicide bomber. <laughs> Um, while he got his um, papers, he, you know, he got his assignment and uh, just before he completed it, he met Jesus. And, um, and he met Jesus and, you know, he, he, he turned, his life turned around. And then the Lord told him, you have to go to this particular church, which is our church. And the Lord said, I'm going to heal you and you're, you and you are going to be part of a reconciliation movement. And so he and I, uh, would you know visit people we would bring people together we would wash feet and really bring reconciliation and and one of the things one of you know we did many things but one of the things was that you know our languages were different but we would get people to sing in each other's language uh, you know we would we would literally say start appreciating and valuing you know who they are and and so that you know that the hardened hearts would be melted and so, yeah, so, you know, that was, that was part of uh, the initial kind of uh, ministry also that we did was reconciliation uh, between people. I got some time to hang out with your sons. And, and one of the things I love about what you guys stem for, a lot of times when we, when we talk about church planting, we, we, we're, we're exclusively thinking about adults. But God is doing something pretty amazing through the next generation. Tell us a little bit about that and how that plays into multiplication and church planting and so forth. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we uh, you know, we work with young people. And when we say young people, they, they could be 15, uh, they could be 17, or even, even younger. But it's like, you know, if, if we see a calling, if we see a desire, then, you know, we will start working with you. With, uh, and so we um, bring young people out. Now, of course, you know, in the past couple of months, we've not been able to do that. But we would bring a group of young people to spend a weekend with us. And we would do that every month. We would bring them. So from Friday right up to Sunday. And we would mentor them. We would disciple them uh, so that they then are released into, you know, church planting, into discipleship. Um, and, you know, literally doing what Jesus did. Uh, like, uh, I've, I've just, you know, uh, I've, uh, about a month ago, I finished a group of uh, young church planters. And the youngest was 17 years. And so they've been really stripped up, uh, plant uh, microchurches um, online. So we really invest into our young people because we see that, you know, that's a generation that has to be touched. Because if we just only focus on the adults, then, you know, we are losing not just one generation, but at least two, three generations. And to recover that is going to be hard. And, uh, so, so wait a minute, wait a minute, Pastor Sereka. You are training up 17-year-old church planters. Yes. Okay. You just destroyed 75% of everybody's paradigm who is online with us right now. Um, how are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And what does it take to do that? Okay. And what's happening because you did it. Right. Um, so, you know, over, over, especially over, over this season, you know, we, we were thinking, hey, you know, we have the technology. The technology is out there. It's this generation that is using that technology most. So why not train them to plant churches online? 
And and so you know the the seventeen year old kid like he's like yeah you know I I, I, I you know I'm I'm gonna get my friends together and and he's been doing that, but again it's the belief that you know the traditional belief is that I have to go to Bible school I have to spend four years, and then you know when I once I come out then I'm ready. Um, I'm not, you know, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Bible school graduate. I'm a master's graduate, but so I'm not saying that is not important. But, you know, how did Jesus train his his uh, guys by sitting with them, discipling them, walking with them, and and putting them into the deep end? You know, he's, you know, um, he sent them two by two. He sent them, you know, on missions to kind of, you know, say, hey, now go. And so, uh. I've, our ethos is really, you know, we don't we don't want to discriminate by age, but it's like, you know, if, if you are being called to your generation, then you are the person who's going to have to step in, uh, because you know, you know, I'm I, I can't reach out to seventeen year olds, you know, they talk a different language to me, <laughs> but the seventeen year old will lead his friends, he he will reach out to his generation. And so that's how we are able to then reach into every generation um, so that we are able to lead those generations to Christ. We don't need to wait, wait till they become adults. No, let's catch them where they are, where they are at at the moment. So um, it's investing into these guys and believing in them and also empowering them. Uh, one of the things that, we, that, that I do is that, you know, I will take them through training. But I, I, it's important for me to kind of then get a few leaders, lay hands on these guys and release them and say, we are releasing you, we are empowering you. We believe in what you're going to be doing. Um, and that's been so important. How do you train? I, I, I know that you've, you've done a pretty good job of putting together some video materials and uh, you, you, you've taken advantage of technology and you, you've done a uh, – explain, take us through that just a little bit. Okay. Your approach to training. Right. Um, so pre-COVID, as I said, I, I would bring them to my house and I would, you know, spend time with them. Like, and, you know, they would, they would you know, you know, the, the houses in England are, are, are not big houses. So part of it is that, you know, you, you rough it out. You learn how to live in community. And so... You know, they would have, you know, we, we, we would just have sleeping bags or, you know, air mattresses uh, all around our house. Um, and so that that's how I would kind of train them on a regular basis, like at least once a month. And then giving them loads of homework, you know, not just, and again, it's not just up here, but it's also practical stuff, practical stuff to do. And then come COVID, that's when I, when I felt the Lord saying, look, you know, we train them in a, in a different angle and, and, you know, using the technology again. And so uh, for the microchurch training, I would take them through four to five weeks. And, you know, we meet regularly, we meet weekly, we meet, you know, kind of, and, and really I kind of invest into them. And then at the end of that, I release them and then I keep following up. On, and, and one of the conditions that they come for the training is that they plant a microchurch at the end. Uh, that it's not just... A, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, it, it's, it's not just, hey, you know, it's a good class. You know, I'll come and that's it. No. 
your your commitment is that you're going to plant a church and and um, through these trainings what i've seen is they they start their microchurch even before we finish the training so now with covid you've had to change that what have you done you know after covid so with covid it's been totally on zoom uh, it's been totally on zoom um, and that actually uh, COVID has given, given me the opportunity of not just being limited to a, a locality, but also being able to go global. So that I'm able to train um, people globally. And, uh, and, and so to me, that, that's, a, that's a real benefit. Because I think so often, you know, we can get so caught up and so fixated on this is the only way that we miss out, um, you know, God-given opportunities. And so through COVID, it, it's been like, yeah, you know, let's be so flexible that uh, we, we don't restrict ourselves. And, and one of the beautiful things I see this in this is that even nations that are closed up can be reached into, uh, you know, through the technology God has given us. So I've been able to train. So when you say, when Sorry, you say go globally, ahead. where? Where where have you started? So I've, I've, I've been you know training people in India. Um, I've been training people in um, Italy, in France, uh, Ukraine, Russia. Um, so some of those countries, and also uh, the the U.S., um, Philippines. And so here you are. You're a ten thousand member church. And uh, you got all this technology, and you got this worldwide reach, uh, and that's totally a lie. What I just said. Ex explain a little bit the parameters of what you're working with, because you guys don't have a whole lot of money. You're taking huge advantage of technology and leveraging things, and and I think there's a lot for us to learn from that. Yeah, yeah. When you said ten thousand, I'm like, oh, am, am I on the right conversation? <laughs> Yeah, you know, you know, my home church. We, we, we are, you know, we are not a big church. Like, you know, you know, we are seventy hundred people, but yet again, it's. I think the it is like use what you have. Don't look for what you don't have. Use what you have and let the Lord increase that. And it's it's simple because you know you know we do everything out of my house because we don't even have a church building. <laughs> Uh, you know, we don't have our own building, so we rent our building right now. It's shut down from last March. Uh, we have not even gone in. But yet that, why should we get limited and restricted because of that? Why not work around that? Why not work around that, you know, and have wisdom to kind of say, let's do something different, but yet we still achieve our goal in making disciples who make disciples. And so that's, that's been the thinking in, in working around with the limitations, restrictions. And I think, you know, um, I was telling someone recently that COVID did not surprise God. <laughs> it surprised the church because we had to be stripped down to the bare minimum. And I think it's, it's a lesson that we have learned of how do we navigate through and go back to some of the very basics of what the disciples did. Because most of my training that I do has been over on the Book of Acts, in in how they how they um, trained, how they uh, reached out, and for me it's like 
you know, build disciples who are like those in the book of Acts in chapter 8, chapter 9, that when persecution hit, the disciples were scattered. But wherever they went, they healed the sick, they cast demons out, they preached the gospel, made disciples, planted churches. And if every individual in our churches can be trained to do that, you know, you, you're talking about an explosion. You're talking about huge networks. And so that it's not just the few who are up there, but you know, it's like everyone is a part of this movement. This movement. Now, I would like to get some a, a conversation started between uh, you and Myron. Myron has, uh, has done what you're doing in some spectacular ways globally, uh, also as per- particularly focusing on inner cities, uh, which really need the help of the gospel. And uh, Myron's written an excellent book called uh, about planting digi churches. I'd like you to you know, recommend that book also before we're done, Myron, so that people can pick it up. But I, I, I'd like to hear a conversation between the two of you about what you do that's similar to each other and what you do that's different from each other. And the, and the one issue that I see, the big, the big stumbling block for everybody, isn't drawing a crowd. You know, we, we figured out how to get on, do that. It's, it's finding somebody that I can disciple who can now disciple others in a loca- locality different than mine. And so I just want to kind of hand it over to Myron um, to ask you some questions and then to pitch in. And, and Myron, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to do something that you normally wouldn't do on here. But I, I really would like you to to tell us about your products. I mean, what you what what you could train us who are listening uh, to do what Sri Lanka, what uh, Sereka is doing, and what you're doing. Uh, so don't don't be shy about that. But let let's just hear a little bit of you know give and take between you two guys. Yeah, I love what Pastor, Pastor Sereka is is talking about, especially especially um, I think. And I think I was one of the first practitioners to talk about Digi Church. And there are a lot of like people who are <laughs> who are theoretical and they've never planted anything, but they're talking about Digi Church or things like that. Um, and before COVID hit, um, one of the things because I, I have a digital marketing agency, and so that came hand in, that came in handy when COVID hit. And so one of the first pieces of material that I wrote was in response to a local nonprofit that's doing work in the inner city. And I was trying, I was trying to land a deal with them. And so I thought, you know what, I need to get a book into the hands of their board of directors. And so I get this book in, in, in the hands of the, their board of directors called why social media should be your number one strategy. And then COVID, and then COVID hit. Now COVID hit on the heels of, um, of this book. And then I thought, oh my gosh, Acts chapter eight, verse one was the persecution. But Acts chapter 2020 in America and beyond is a pandemic. And I started to see some parallels. I started to see how restriction and pandemic could actually drive resilience because that's what I think has had the, the church has gained in this restriction. We've gained some resilience. Mm. 
And so in the middle of this restriction, I thought, how awesome would it be to help the church learn how to pastor in a pandemic? And so I said, let's put out some material on how to help the church, not just pastor in a pandemic, but, but how, like, how to do digital ministry. Because here's the reality. Seminary didn't prepare us for this pandemic. No. And it certainly didn't prepare us for how to be digital missionaries. So now all of a sudden pastors are scrambling for how to, uh, how to do ministry. And the problem with it is that for the, for the, for the average pastor, we simply transitioned our historic model of doing ministry onto the digital airways. And many are in decline still as a result of it. And so the, the piece to doing digital ministry was just that. It's like, hey, here's some tools to do that. And then in the middle of that, I just said, you know what? Let's do a trilogy and let's help churches learn how to launch digi churches. And, and, and it's been beautiful. And, and on our end, we're learning a whole lot on, at the end of the day, like Pastor Sereka said, it's about making disciples. But when you're a missionary on the eighth continent, which is social media. Social media is, a, is an eighth continent. It's, it's, it's one of the, the eight wonders of the world. Um, there, are, there are certain um, things that we, that, that we have to look for that's biblical that, as an approach. So, for example, if we're going to send out digital missionaries, then we have to teach them what it looks like to identify a person of peace. We have to teach them what it looks like to be a missionary in groups that they're not indigenous to, right? So, so a lot of these principles that we now have to appropriate that really are level four, level five principles that we're now having to, um, you know, propagate on a social, when it comes to social platforms. So, Sereka, one of my questions is, what principles or tools or utilities are you using to mobilize missionaries digitally what are you finding that's effective what's working what's not working i think yeah um so, and well, that was one of the reasons why i started doing videos so that they could be trained and they could watch it on their own but what really works is kind of this environment of of using um, video conferencing software and having a face-to-face -face, um training, uh, you know, uh, inspiring them, uh, because that's, that's what seems to be working for me a lot. And, uh, you know, like, yeah, you know, we, the man, you know, we find the man of peace, you know, that comes through a con connection that I've already had, or someone's kind of being connected with me. And then from there, we then build the other relationships that come through. But uh, this has been the, for us, this has been the uh, main mode of uh, training and you know spending, I guess spend being not being able to spend physical time, but sp physically on Zoom, and uh, having having training that they can follow up with. So I want to I want to pull out um, for our audience what you said. Yeah. So in a pandemic, your focus now obviously you're still a pastor. Your focus became exclusively train, 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 train. Yeah. The other thing that I heard you say was 
leveraging platforms like Zoom to provide training, yeah. but it being highly relational and highly interactive. Now, the reason why I don't, I don't want to under or oversimplify what you said because the conversations that I saw in the pandemic, pre, uh, it, right in the middle of it, was how do we get people to show up to watch a service? Mm. That's not the right question. The right question is how do we engage people of peace so that we can reach them with the gospel, raise them up as disciples, train them. I love what you said. The training is five weeks, and you can't even be in the training if you're not going to plant a micro church. Yeah. And, and if we were you know, using um, exponential language, and we are because we're a part of exponential, what, what, what you're have the conversations that you're talking about our level four and level five mm. is reproducing and multiplying. Yeah. And, and the thing that I'd like to bring us back to is Acts chapter eight. That was on the mind of the, of the first century church. Yeah. That was one of my uh, inspirations. That was that, you know, to me, it's like, you know, what the, what the apostles did in Jerusalem led to Acts eight. In, in terms of, you know, when, when they were scattered, you know, so, so it's like, you know, yeah, you know, right from day one, they were training these guys, they were teaching them, you know, the, the doctrine, the, you know, doing life together. And so that suddenly when they were all scattered, it was almost like the, the autopilot was set in and these guys just went into that mode and, you know, they, they just launched themselves. And I think for me, yeah, that's, X8 has been a, a, a real challenger uh, that, and, 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 and I believe, you know, even as leaders, we have to think differently. We have to think differently. We have to, uh, we have to be bold as well. Um, that, you know, we, we, it's like, we can't go with the crowd. We, yeah. have, we have to stand out. We have to kind of say, okay, it's not been done before, but I'm willing to take that risk. Um, you know, if, 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 if there's a mess, I'll clean it up. You know, you know, we are, we are, we are there to clean it up, but we, you know, even, even today I was talking to this young guy, he's a university student. He's planted a microchurch, it's doubled now. And so he's having a problem of, okay, how can I now start, you know, releasing leaders uh, to, to start the second one? And, I, and, um, and, and it's like, yeah, you know, I, I told him, you'll need, you, you might need to clean up some of the messes, but you're there to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so. I, and, and, and here's another point that you just brought up. So like, um, number one, the goal is multiplication. Number yeah. two, the platform is training via technology. Number three, after they have launched, your job in their life is now a coach. Yeah. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Totally, totally. So, so what type of, when you, when you think about coaching microchurch planters, what, what's conducive to a great coach? What needs, what, what does it take to be a great coach? And what are you finding that microchurch planters need after they've launched? Right. I, I believe it's a, I kind of say it's a, it's a Paul and Timothy scenario where as a coach, you come alongside them. You 
help them to think you help them to dream you help them to walk but you are you are cheering them on you are there to kind of you know for almost kind of fall back for them to kind of say yeah you know and 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 it's an encouragement to kind of say hey someone's walking with me but you know you you've shifted from the trainer and now now it's like you know you're 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 cheering them on so for for me it's it's like yeah i will help you through i will i will i will share my wisdom with you but i want you to think as well i want mm. you to, i want you to take those steps and i'll be there if you fall i'll be i'll be i'll be you know uh, cheering you on i'll be training you but you are running the race now yeah so so one of the things i want to recap for us if people are taking notes and and they're saying okay he's given us a pathway to do this number one um disciple yeah disciple 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 and i'd say as a mission i'd say before disciple it's i need to be a missionary digitally right and and so it's like missionary make disciples train coach rinse and repeat missionary mission disciple train coach here's my question um going to the missionary piece when it comes to digitally what are you learning that's that's working when it comes to being a digital missionary okay um one of the huge lessons we learned um and you know was that we have to have connection with people you know even even where our church was concerned you know first couple of months we ran kind of the slick service but what we found was that we were we were losing the relationship we were losing the connecting and uh, we we said this is this is not right you know we've gone we've gone back <laughs> we have not gone we are not moving forward and so we mm. said you know we are we're going we are, we are using zoom so that we have this conversation we had a, hey you know how are you doing wait wait wait, wait. can i interrupt i <laughs> i must have misunderstood you because i know so many american pastors and uh i'm sure that they're all thinking they misunderstood what you said you said you're going backwards when you're doing a show digitally and now you're using zoom for sunday morning yes that's right is that correct that's totally so, correct. I, that's if i was pastoring i would be using zoom because people are isolated and this allows us to have connection with each other describe that a little bit and 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 do you allow people to feedback do they get to talk to you or or do you just preach at them on zoom tell us a little bit about that and now I'll flip it back to myron okay um so well, yeah so we 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 went back into we went into zoom because a we didn't a, we didn't know who was connecting that was a huge thing you know we didn't know who was connecting were they okay you know um uh, were they isolated you know are they struggling none of that so what we did was we we started zoom and even 15 20 minutes before the actual service so you know we 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 kind of said hey we're going to just come on we're going to just have conversations so it's like you know 
hey, you know, grandpa so-and-so, how are you doing? You know, you know, how, you know are you okay? Do you have food? Um, and so that, that, that relationship, that communication, that connection begins even before we start the service. So that, you know, it's, it's kind of like your tea and coffee before service. So you know, we have a, we have a, you know, we, we have that conversation. And then even through the, through the service, you know, we'll have a bit of worship um, and, you know, I will share, but then we will also have breakout rooms so that uh, people then, you know, can, they're able to share about the message and talk about it and pray for one another. And we all come back um, and maybe, you know, break bread or kind of, you know, say bye to everyone. So that we found that that has really worked. And I really don't want to go back to just running a service without any interaction. So what, what, you, what you just said at the very last, about, I don't want to go back to running a service without any interaction. I know that Myron is planning one, and I don't know if, if Nebraska, I, I'm not sure what's going on there, if you guys are in the building or not. But, but I think that post-COVID, we're going to have to do church differently. It's yeah. going to have to look in the building a little bit more like what you just described, where we have a service, but, there, but, the, but there's interactivity going on in the building, and we're going to have to keep the Zoom thing going because the whole world is being conditioned to do everything from home. And, yep. and, you know, you do, you go to the doctor from home. You, I order my groceries now from home. I, we, we do so many things from home. I watch, I go to church from home. Basically I'm, I'm in a church right now that has one public meeting a month and everything else is done on zoom. And I like it. And I, and I don't know that I would want to go back to, you know, every week in a building. So uh, I, I'd like to hear a little interplay between you two guys about that because Myron has got some pretty good ideas about what he's going to do once they do go back in the building. So let's talk about that one a little bit. So, so we're, we're already back. And so the, the caveat um, or, or small pushback to well, I understand the connection would be I've discovered as a digital marketer um, that I use our services that go live without Zone as a missional approach to connecting with people who have no idea who we are. Mm. So after we have our live family gatherings, is what we call them, I'm going to run some ads around that family gathering so that I can then introduce or take people to the next step of get from, from, from unaware to aware to engagement where I think the two can interface is, you know, because because we're now back in the building, I'll talk about that in a minute, um, is having the option to talk to somebody during, um, during the service. Hey, go to this, go to this room or however you want to, you know, you want to, brand it, go to this prayer room, go to this counseling room, go to this kid's room. So in all of those rooms are Zoom rooms, right? So, um, or you can say, hey, um, join our pre-service party, right? And then we go live. And then as we go live, then people who are in the thread can then interact. So we have people who are interacting with people, you know, because the reality is, 
is we 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 really do live in a monologue world where we go to a movie and that movie we're just watching the movie right so we're already conditioned for that i don't think that that's necessarily the, the end all but but so so after we have our family gathering of worship and teaching and stuff like that then there can be so whether it's a pre pre party or an after party or rooms that people can attend during our family gathering are some options digitally or like Sereka said, Hey, we full blown zoom. The problem with that for us or the challenge with that for anybody is some, the intimidation factor. I'm jumping into a room with people I don't know. I'm jumping into a where, where I'm the, you know how it is. Like when you're, when you're a new person sometimes. And so I like to actually go live without zoom and then use that in our continuum to then get people in an after party or our, what we call our Facebook group community. That's kind of where we grab people. And then as we grab people, warm them up, we get them in a disciple making relationship. But as far as us on Sunday, Sunday morning in the building, it's, it's, it's identical to what you're saying, Sereka. So we'll have a time of, um, of, of singing, and then I'll and then I'll share, or one of our teammates will share. Um, I'm sorry, we'll get into the scriptures, and I'll preach or teach, and then we'll share round tables. So we don't we don't we no longer meet meet in rows. We've transitioned to to circles, right? Um, and so I'd advocate for it, figure out how to do that. And obviously, you guys are doing that right now. You're meeting around circles, really, in Zoom. Um, so the thing I like to add to all this is. We are all um, learning as we go. We're learning best practices. We're, um, and, and the problem I have sometimes is when us as pastors uh, portray, especially as, as American pastors, portray we have the silver bullet. We have thousands of people that are attending our church online. Whereas if, if I were to go into the background of their data and their metrics, most of their metrics are skewed. You know, pastors, we like to skew metrics. But what I love that I'm hearing from you, Pastor Sereka, is that it's all about connection. Mm. And the way that we connect with one another because we're wired for relationship ensures that we can help people take the next step in their disciple-making journey. Yeah, yeah. Actually, one of the things I, I missed mentioning was that we live stream the Zoom meeting. So that, uh, as, I, as I say, like, you know, that, you know there, are, there are people who don't want to come in there. Right. So we see that they connect on Facebook. Yeah. We see people connecting from different nations kind of on the Facebook level. Um, so, so, yeah, we, 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 we have that option happening. But I think, yeah, it definitely we have been talking that when once we go back, services are going to be different. It, this is going to be part of that format. And, um, and also then how, how do we kind of then bridge the physical group and the digital group? And, 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 uh, and I guess that's something we can learn from you is how we bridge that, uh, those two groups together so that there's still the same kind of flavor to yeah. Keep, um, happening. Yeah, and and if there are people watching who are you're wondering digital, physical, digital, um, 
you know, I, I personally laid out a, a number of resources. Um, if you go to myronpierce.courses, there are a number of courses on um, even how to address this thing economically. Like if you're a pastor, maybe you're a smaller church pastor and, you know, you, you, funding is always an issue. Um, check that stuff out. And obviously there's some books on online um, that I wrote on Amazon that can kind of help. I know Pastor Sareka also has some videos on YouTube. Um, Pastor Rek, can you tell us about that, just resources that you have that are available on YouTube? Yeah, so on, on um, kind of under my name, you know, you can search on YouTube. And I have about, I think about 40 uh, short uh, training videos for microchurch planting, right from the point of dreaming, right from the point of planning to running it and even towards, uh, you know, emotional health as well. And, uh, and, and they're geared in the sense of like, you can watch it as a team, you can watch it indi individually. And then there's always a question to discuss. Uh, so I've kind of structured it in that way. And, and we just want everybody to know that won't always be free from Pastor Sareka because after this call, I'm gonna get on with him and show him how to package that as a course um, and then you can help fund what God is doing in the UK instead of getting everything for free. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And, and I'm going to, and I'm going to jump on him about turning some of this into a book and, uh, and, and making it a Kindle book and go worldwide. Uh, yeah. The, the, this is brilliant. Uh, you know, I just want to say we got about another 10 minutes to talk here, but you know, to, to me, this has been of, of this whole series Myron and I have done. I think this is a pretty much the liveliest conversation we've had, and and the one that uh, the best addresses the whole COVID issue and the and the world that we're coming to because it's it's we're not going back to 2019. We've the world is is a different world out there, and and it's I think it's a you know to use an old phrase it's a brave new world. It's an exciting world to me. Exciting. This isn't this isn't a time for remorse. This is a time for rejoice. Yeah. So true. Well, um, Pastor Sareka, is there anything else that you would like? Um, I mean, this this is going to be this video time here is going to be on demand. There are going to be many more pastors that are um, keying in. Um, is there anything else that you feel uh, that that we need to know as uh, new frontier leaders? <laughs> I, I I think you know we've, we've spoken a lot, but as a leader. Be flexible, be flexible. Um, you know, God has a strategy, you know, through COVID, through, through whatever may get thrown at us even in the next couple of months or years, the Lord has a strategy to navigate through and we need to tap into that. And, and when we do that, you know, uh, I, was, I was telling somebody, like we were talking and we said, look, you know, a lot of people say, oh, 2020 has been a hopeless year. It's been a waste of a year. But for the church, it's been a strategic year, and mm. uh, what we have to tap into. Love it. Well, um, this has been phenomenal. Uh, if you guys are still on, guys and girls are still on, um, we want you to know we're, we're just, Ralph and I, we're elated that you've joined us over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we want to continue to remind you that uh, starting this month, November, December, multiplication.org slash roundtables, we are having the conversation 
that we need to continue to have around race in America and, and, and race beyond America and how diversity and multiculturalism actually matters. And so if you would like to join us, go to multiplication.org slash roundtables. I think we may still even be opening open to you hosting a roundtable in your city. Uh, jump on this, folks. We have leaders from all over the country and beyond that are going to help us uh, really navigate this conversation together. I'm really excited and thankful to Todd Wilson uh, for having the courage to stand up um, and to stand in solidarity with, uh, with minorities and with uh, the kingdom of God, actually, because God uh, is, uh, is, is, is pro-value. <laughs> um, love what Pastor Sereka said, that um, people matter. And, um, and, 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 and we need them. And so this is an attempt and an expression of creating and, and instilling within the exponential family that uh, all of us, uh, black, white, red, brown, um, are better together. And so Pastor Sereka, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. And uh, Ralph and I can't wait to come back to London. Oh, can't wait yeah. to have this. And thank you so much for having me. This has been really great. This fall, Exponential is hosting roundtable events in cities all across America. These half-day gatherings in smaller settings will allow church leaders to prioritize peer-to-peer -peer conversations and receive practical training on how to prepare their church to lead for racial reconciliation. Exponential roundtables will help you continue to pursue church multiplication in these challenging times. Find a roundtable near you this fall by visiting multiplication.org.